For the last couple of weeks, we've been in a series that we've called Cliché. And we're looking at these cultural systems, these, these cultural beliefs that we kind of throw out as Christians. We kind of throw them out and say, well, they sound godly, they sound good and encouraging. Uh, and so we throw out these clichés that in reality, uh, they're almost like half-truths, where maybe there's a hint of truth in them, but they're not true in and of themselves. And the reason that we've been addressing these clichés is in John chapter uh, 8, Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. The reality is the people that we love, the people that we want to encourage, we want them to know the truth. We want them to experience freedom and joy and all these wonderful things. And it's not found in half-truths. It's not found in pithy little sayings to make people feel good about themselves. It is found in the truth. And so today we're going to look at probably one of the most culturally accepted and believed cliches that are out there. This is a cliche that, that most of you have probably heard. This is a cliche uh, that so many people in our world believe. In fact, I would I even guess that there's some in this room that believe this cliche today. We're going to deal with this cliche that says, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you are sincere. It doesn't matter what you believe. You can believe as long as you're sincere. There are other versions of this. All roads lead to heaven. We've heard that. I'm sure you've heard that. All religions, all religions are basically the same thing. So we're going to look at this and say, what does this mean for us? A little bit of research I did this week. Uh, there's a research center called the Pew Research Center. And statistically, statistically, over 50% of evangelical Christians, so if you identify as a Christian who understands what Jesus did for you, over 50% of Christians believe that there are many ways to God. That's out of our brothers and sisters in Christ. 50% of Christians believe that there are many ways to God. In fact, two-thirds, two-thirds of our Christians that are 30 and younger, okay, these are our young people, okay, two-thirds of them believe that non-Christians will go to heaven. This is what our culture and I, our society begins to tell us. And honestly, it sounds good, right? I mean, I call this a, a feel-good theology. Because we like to feel good. And so we like to say things that make us feel good. And so when we hear, well, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. We think, well, man, that sounds good. That sounds like something a loving God would say. That sounds like something a loving God would do. And so we like the way that it sounds. In fact, this, uh, you talk to your friends. You talk to different people. And you kind of get into this, because of this cliche, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. We kind of have these friends and we're talking with them and, and you're kind of like, well, you know, they're a pretty good person. You know, you're probably better than a lot of people. So, yeah, you're probably good on the God thing. You're, you're good. Because it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere, as long as you're pretty much a good person. In fact, you ever hear this? You ever have this issue where grandpa passes away? Grandpa passes away. What does somebody say to you? Well, it's okay. You know, maybe they weren't really a religious person, but they're in a better place now. They're looking down on you. Now, I'm just going to be honest. There's three or four times every day I don't want Gramps looking down on me. Like, that's embarrassing. Gramps, don't be looking down on me at those times because I, I don't want that. That's not, uh, that's not what I'm looking for. We have this idea. It doesn't matter what you believe. As long as you're a good person, as long as you're sincere, all roads lead to God. It's all going to work out. In fact, I was with some pastors uh, uh, last week or so down in San Francisco, 
and I'm talking to these pastors, and we're dealing with the issue of Mormonism, and how Mormons are saying, well, well, we're the same as you. We are all Christians, and we're all going to be in heaven, and, and so both roads lead to God, whether you're a Christian or Mormon or Muslim or Buddhist or whatever you are, if even if you're non-religious, if you're just a good person and you're sincere about it, well, all roads lead to heaven. All roads lead to God, right? Well, I'll tell you, there's good news and there's bad news in this cliche, all right? The good news is that one of the things that I find very encouraging about this is spirituality in itself is accepted, right? I mean, spirituality, there's a spiritual hunger amongst people in our day and age. That is a good news. It is not controversial for you and I to believe in God, right? This is where you go and you watch your favorite sports team, and the, and the guy scores a touchdown, and what does he say after the game? Oh, glory to God, right? That's where you watch one of the uh, uh, Grammy award shows, you know, and they win the award for best whatever it is. And they're up there, and what do they say? Man, God gave me this skill, and I'm just using it to, to bring glory to God. And we have this idea, spirituality is not bad. People will openly talk about God. That's where, when there's one of those uh, travesties that happen in our country. And what do we do? We go on social media, praying. Praying for Manchester. Praying for Yakima. Praying for whatever it is. We're really, uh, I think we're okay. I think I'm okay, Jake. We have all these things where, where it's not unacceptable for us to, to believe in God. And it's a good thing because spiritually speaking, we have this hole inside of our heart. Every one of us, we have this, this God-shaped void inside of us. And so when people begin to, to seek after God in some way, that's good. They're, they're acknowledging there's something that's not complete within themselves. There's something they need outside of themselves to be fulfilled spiritually. So it's a good thing that people are beginning to recognize that. And spirituality is not a taboo topic. But here's the bad news. Here's the bad news with this cliche is it is completely contradictory to what the Bible says, right? Because when we, again, when we start talking about God, everybody is open to having the conversation about God. But when does it become a controversy? It becomes a controversy when we mention the name of Jesus. When we bring up the name of Jesus, man, that's where the controversy happens. We can talk about God all we want and nobody wigs out. But then you throw out the name of Jesus and people start freaking, Right? Listen, and it's, it's not because people doubt his existence. In fact, when you look at historically, there are, uh, whether you're a Christian, non-Christian historian, they all will tell you that Jesus was a real man, that Jesus really lived, he walked on this earth. There's not a question about Jesus' existence, right? It's not a question about Jesus' teaching. Isn't it funny how people love Jesus' teaching? I mean, they, they look at all these things that Jesus talked about and how he talked about helping the poor and loving other people and forgiving those who, who hurt you. Like, this is phenomenal teaching. People love it. It's radical. It's revolutionary. People love his teaching. But why, does people, why do people get so upset with him? They get upset because of the exclusive claim that Jesus makes. We read this in John chapter 14. In John chapter 14, Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's talking to his disciples and he says, hey guys, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to go and I'm going to prepare a place for you. And then I'm going to come back and, and you'll know how to get there. And his disciples, uh, Thomas, he's kind of like, Jesus, what are you talking about? I don't know where I'm going. I don't know. I don't know how to get where you're. I, like, 
Thomas just says, Jesus, I don't understand. And Jesus' response in verse 6 was, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And that right there. All right, Jake, I'll take that microphone. All right, so Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And that right there is what sets Christianity apart from every other religion. The exclusive claim that Jesus made that he is the only way to God. That there are no multiple roads. It doesn't matter if you're sincere. It doesn't matter if you're not. There is one way to God, and it is through Jesus Christ. And that is why it makes Jesus so revolutionary and so, uh, so difficult to talk about, right? So let's just talk for a minute about world religions, all right? Again, if we're saying that, that Jesus is different than all the other world religions, let's talk about world religion for a minute, all right? Hinduism. Anybody? And can, can we acknowledge, hold on, before we get there, can we acknowledge for just a minute that, that there's some beauty in every religion? Can we acknowledge that there is some beauty for, in every religion? In fact, there's this story, there's this old story about uh, these six blind guys, and they brought these six blind guys to go, and they wanted to introduce them to an elephant, Right? You got this big old hunking elephant. The blind guys show up. The blind guys show up. And the first guy walks up, and he touches the side of the elephant. He's like, wow, this, this animal, it's like a wall. It's like a big wall, right? You think about the side of an elephant. Well, then the second guy, he comes up, and he's like, no, dude, you're wrong. You're wrong. It's like a spear. He's touching the husk, uh, the husk of, the, of the elephant. And he's like, no, it's, it's like a spear. You're wrong, dude. It's not a wall. It's a spear. The third blind guy, he comes up and touches the trunk. And he's like, no, you guys are both dumb. It's like a snake. It's got this wavy thing. It's a big, thick snake, and it's waving around. And the fourth guy, the fourth guy is like, nah, what are you guys smoking, man? I, I touched the, the leg of the elephant, and it feels like a big tree. He's like, this, this animal's like a big tree, you know, thinking about those big, strong legs of that elephant. And, and the fifth guy, the fifth guy looks up, and is like, nah, you guys are, again, you guys are all wrong. He's touching the ear of the elephant. He's like, man, this is like a big, a big fan or maybe like a big leaf. It's like this really big, fluffy, soft thing that you can move around. And, and, and the sixth guy is like, you guys are all wrong. I don't know what you guys are even talking about uh, because he touches the tail of the elephant. It's like, it's like a rope. It's like a rope. See, all of these blind guys come and touch a different part of the elephant, but they don't have the right whole picture, Right? And reality is, I think when you look at all these world religions, there's some truth in them. There's some beauty in them. But that doesn't mean they're all the same, right? So we'll start with Hinduism, okay? Hinduism, they believe in many gods. They believe that these many gods, they take uh, the form of idols or temples or gurus or animals. And so you've got these Hindu gurus, if you can see that you've seen on TV or whatever else. They believe in karma and reincarnation. And they basically, one of their beliefs is that how you lived in your past life, it determines whether you were experiencing suffering and poverty and injustice in this life. So if you were a bad person in your past life, that means that this life you're in right now, you're going to struggle. You're going to have hardship and difficult things that happen to you. Okay? And, and there's, no, there's no necessarily afterlife in Hinduism. They believe that you become enlightened. That you become enlightened. And when you become enlightened, the cycle of rebirths and recon uh, 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 
<laughs> I can't think of the word I just said. Uh, yes, reincarnation, the cycle of that stops once you achieve uh, enlightenment. And so the goal in Hinduism is that you would be enlightened. And that is achieved through all the religious duties. That is achieved through knowledge of contemplation and self-denial. And that is achieved through devotion to whatever certain deity of, Hind of Hinduism you're going to follow. All right? That's what Hinduism believes. Uh, Buddhism. Buddhism, interesting. I didn't realize this. Buddhisms do not actually believe in God. Well, well, they worship Buddha. No, Buddha is the one who's achieved what everybody is longing for. And so there is no God in Buddhism. Again, one of the things, they believe in these countless rebirths, continually rebirths. And that a person's bad habits or their lack of faith or their longings for the things of this world, that causes this cycle of rebirth. And so the goal, if you're a Buddhist, is that you would be able to purify your heart. And you'd be able to let go of the yearnings for sensual desires and an attachment to yourself. And if you do that, then you reach nirvana. Then you reach the apex. All right? Muslim. Uh, Islam. Okay? Islam, they are monotheistic. They believe in one God named Allah, who's a personal God. And they believe that you're standing with Allah, you're standing with God, is determined on your religious devotion and your works. And so if you are a Muslim, that your goal is that you would be, uh, 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 you, you would have all the religious devotion and all the good works, so that way when you come to the afterlife, you would be rewarded. And on the contrary, if you didn't have all the religious devotion, if you didn't have all the good works, that when you come to the afterlife, you will be punished. That is what Islam is going to teach you. Then there's this new age mysticism sort of stuff, and it's really weird. I had a really, really hard time trying to figure out what that all believes in. Uh, basically, they believe that uh, 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 you can achieve a higher consciousness where you uh, attain your own deity. Okay, you change your own, you attain your own divinity, uh, and so it's this this. Psycho weird stuff, man. It's, it goes down some rabbit trails, and you can really get confused going on the internet looking that up. So I'd save yourself some time. Uh, Mormonism. I brought up Mormonism earlier, so I, a little bit about Mormonism. Mormonism believes in multiple gods. They believe that the God that we would say that we know once was a man just like us. And because of his good works, and because of his religious devotion to the Mormon faith, that he rose up and became a god. One of many people who have done that. And you and I, if we are, if we live a right life and we are, are, are following the teachings of the Mormon church, that you and I could actually rise and become a God just like the God of this world. And then you come to Christianity. Then you come to Christianity. Christianity believes in one personal God. And that personal God is revealed to us. His love is revealed to us through His Son, Jesus Christ. And His Son, Jesus Christ, He offers us forgiveness and blessedness, not based on our religious efforts, not based on us purifying our heart, not based on us following a certain teachings and doing a certain deeds, but based on God's goodness and His love through Jesus Christ. Now let me ask you this, something. Are all six of those religions the same? No. No. Not at all. Now, all of these religious, all of these religions, listen, the issue is not emotions 
or, or preferences. The issue isn't sincerity. I don't doubt that there are people who sincerely follow Buddhist beliefs. I don't doubt that there's people who sincerely follow whatever religious beliefs there are. The issue, in fact, I would say I admire some of their beliefs. Some of the things that people do for their faith, man, I wish that we as Christians would have that kind of dedication. But when we have a sincere dedication to the wrong object, just because we're sincere doesn't mean it isn't still wrong, right? I mean, think about this. Think about this idea that it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. Okay, think about this. Would that work in your life? Okay? I mean, you read about when people go in for surgery and they're going to have like a knee replacement. You read about this where, where you go in for surgery and you're like, yeah, my right knee's a bad knee. And so you go, they put you under, the, uh, under all the medicine and you're out of it. Now, when you wake up and if you find they operated on your left knee, well, it's, it's okay because they were sincere. I sincerely thought, you know, it's okay. It's not a problem. You're good, right? How many of you would let that fly in your world? I mean, your sincerity... It doesn't matter when the wrong knee got operated on. I'm going to have to go do it again, right? Math. Mathematics. Two plus two equals four every time, right? Now, I don't care how sincere you are. And I don't care how you're being taught math. Two plus two never equals three. And if you, even if you sincerely believe that, you are not the person I want writing my paycheck every week. It's just not going to, it's not going to fly for me. I don't care how sincere you are. Two plus two equals four every time, right? My car. I've got a Volkswagen Jetta, okay? If you offer to fill up my gas tank, I'm going to say bless you. I love you. But let me tell you, if you put diesel in my car, like I don't care how genuine and sincere you are. That's going to ruin my engine. I'm not going to be happy about that. That doesn't fly for me. It doesn't matter how sincere you are. Music. Like, I sincerely love worship music. And I have sincerely applied to join this worship team time and time and time again. And the worship leaders, because they love all of you, they sincerely say, no, Kevin, that's not where you belong. You can speak into the microphone, but not sing into the microphone. Every Sunday, every Sunday I try, and I get turned down. Again, just look at the reality of this situation. Think about your workplace. Think about your workplace. How many of you, if you have a workplace, uh, let's just, uh, I delivered newspapers when I was younger. I did that for a couple years, okay? If my job is to deliver newspapers at the houses that have subscriptions, how long will it be able to go for me to deliver to the wrong houses? Well, I'm sincere. At some point, the people that pay for those subscriptions are going to call and complain about me. And at some point, I'm going to get fired. Even though I'm sincere, even though I'm trying my best, even though I think I'm doing the right thing, at some point, I'm not. And the floor is going to fall out, and it just doesn't work for me to be sincere. Yeah, when it comes to matter of faith, the most important matter, we have this idea, well, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. Your sincerity is all that matters, right? I mean, honestly, if I was a Buddhist and you told me, hey, you know what you believe and what I believe, what Mormons and Christians believe, if you told me that both roads would lead me to God, honestly, that's a little offensive to me if I was a Buddhist. 
Because I'd be like, no, I've dedicated myself to this. I believe this is the way. Like, it's almost offensive to say, well, all roads lead to God, right? It's almost offensive. The issue, the issue in terms of faith is not our emotions. It's not our preferences. It's not our sincerity. The issue in terms of our faith is that we need the truth. Again, one of the things I want to be passionate about in this series is that you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. The freedom that we're longing for isn't found in anything other than the truth. And so this is what the truth is. This is what we're looking at today. John 14, Jesus said this. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to God the Father except through me. Notice what Jesus didn't say. Jesus did not say, well, I know the way to the truth. He didn't say, here's the system you've got to follow. Here's the rules you've got to follow. Here's what you've got to do. No, he said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. He alone is the one who leads us to God the Father up in heaven. And this is consistent throughout all of Scripture. Acts chapter 4, verse 12 says, Salvation is found in no one else. There is no other name under heaven by which we may be saved. 1 Corinthians 3 says, For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. The issue is not our sincerity. So what I want to ask you to do this morning, is I don't know where you are in your faith, I want you, I want to ask you to consider Jesus. In terms of faith, I'm not asking you to consider religion. Je Jesus didn't come to start a religion. Okay? I'm not asking you to consider Christianity. I'm not asking you to, to consider uh, church. Listen, there is no perfect church. If you attend restoration very long, you're going to start seeing, hey, we've got some struggles in our church. I'm a pastor. I'm aware of them. No church is perfect. Anywhere you go. I'm not asking you to consider um, the behavior of those people who call themselves Christians, right? Because I know that you can meet two different Christians, and one Christian is going to be full of love and grace, and you're like, man, I want something like that. And the next Christian you meet, they're going to be hypocritical and judgmental, and you're going to like, this guy's a phony. I'm not asking you to consider the behavior of Christians. In fact, I'm not asking you to even consider me. Because if you're looking at me as to whether or not Christianity is true, I will let you down. I'm an imperfect person just like anybody else. I will let you down. But I'm asking you, consider Jesus. Look at Jesus. Look at what Jesus has done. Look what he said. Look at his life. Three areas I want you to consider about Jesus this morning. First, I want you to consider his radical life. Consider Jesus' radical life. Again, if he said, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life, we've got to consider what to do with Jesus, and I'm asking you to consider his radical life. I love this in Mark chapter 2. This is one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. Mark chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. Uh, says, and the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that Jesus was eating with sinners and tax collectors, he's eating with bad people. And so they said to his disciples, why does he eat with those people? Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus heard it and he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I have not come to call the righteous, but I have come to call sinners. See, Jesus came and he came to the people that other people despised, right? He came to the tax collectors and the prostitutes 
and the bankrupt and the homeless and the drug addicts and the alcoholics and the abusers. He came to the broken people. He came to those who've been divorced. He came to those who've been abused. He came to those who cry themselves to sleep at night. Listen, this is who Jesus came for. Jesus loved and he accepted these people. In fact, the story of the woman caught in the act of adultery, and she's dragged out before the Pharisees, and the, the rule was, if you were caught in adultery, you were to be stoned to death. And so they, they religious leaders, they, brag, they dragged this woman out in front of Jesus. Remember what Jesus says? You who's out, who without sin can throw the first stone. And every one of those guys walks off. Jesus shows love and acceptance and mercy to this woman. And I love this because Jesus, this is who he was. He took the broken people and he redeemed them. He took the broken people and he loved them. That is, throughout his entire life, he opened the blind eyes. He healed the deaf. He, he, he allowed the mute to speak. He heals the lepers. He walked on water. He raised the dead. He did all of these things time after time after time. This was his radical life. In fact, there are some of you in this room. You are a part of what God is still doing. Jesus, he still performs miracles, and some of you are a miracle today. Some of you came in years ago with addictions, alcohol, drugs, and today, you walk in recovery. You walk with freedom. You walk and say, man, I'm no longer bound by that anymore. Some of you have come through multiple marriages, and you carry the sting of shame and, and embarrassment, and today you found freedom and healing in Christ. Some of you came in into marriage, you, you were on the rocks. And through Christ, you found restoration. Through Christ, you found healing. And you experienced something you hadn't ever experienced before, something completely different. This is the radical life of Jesus. This is what he does. He does these miracles. You have to consider the miracles in God's Word, the miracles all around you. Consider the radical life of Jesus. But beyond His radical life, there's something even greater than that. Is you've got to consider His resurrection. Again, I'm not asking you to look around at other Christians or at the church or at religion. I'm asking you to consider Jesus and what His resurrection means. Because the way that the, the story plays out, is God loves you desperately. God loves every one of us desperately. But the problem is he hates sin. And so God's got this problem where he loves us, but our sin separates us from him. And so God's got this issue, and he's like, what am I going to do? I don't know what to do. So he sent his son Jesus to be born of a virgin. He's born of a virgin, so he doesn't inherit the sin nature of an earthly father. So Jesus could live on this earth, and he could be without sin. And that is why he could go to the cross for us. And on that cross, at that moment, listen, the creation is mocking the creator. That us, the world, we did the worst we could throw at him. We beat Jesus until he was in, unrecognizable. We took nails, and we hammered them through his hands, and hammered them through his feet. We hung him on an instrument of torture and embarrassment of the cross. And Jesus on the cross, he looks to God and he says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. And he said, into thy hands I commit my spirit. And he died. And in that moment, the earth went dark. The earth trembled and shook as the Son of God 
put to death. There was a centurion on that day, a soldier who had helped carry the cross. And after observing all of this, after observing Jesus on the cross, observing the earth going dark and the earth shaking, this is what the, 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 the soldier had to say. He said, surely this man was the Son of God. He could see his life. He could see the miracles that Jesus has done. He had seen the way that Jesus went to the cross. And he said, surely this has got to be the Son of God. And they placed Jesus in a tomb. And we think the story's over. The disciples think the story's over. What are we going to do? Jesus is dead. I thought he was supposed to usher in this new kingdom. What's going on now? I mean, if Jesus truly died, man, he's no greater than Muhammad. He's no greater than Joseph Smith. He's no greater than Buddha because all of those guys died. But there's something greater that's going to happen because three days later, three days later, the stone is rolled away. And the tomb was empty because Jesus rose. Jesus rose from the grave and proved that he was who he said he was. Proved what he said was true. Listen, you look at all those other religions. Every one of their leaders are still dead. Except for Jesus. That's got to give us some sort of value that he's done something that no one else has done. We've got to give some credit to what he says. In fact, this resurrection is so important. People sometimes have a hard time understanding the Bible. Well, you know, what about, like, did God really create the earth in seven days? Like, how does that work out? Like, did, was there really this worldwide flood and, and Noah built this bit? Like, like how did, like, I don't know, I've ever heard that before. And so we have all these questions, and they're not bad for us to address. But the thing I need you to consider, more important than that, is Jesus, did Jesus really rise from the grave? Because if he did, that gives credence to everything he said and everything he did. And in fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, it says, if Christ has not been raised from the dead, if the resurrection didn't really happen, listen, then our faith is in vain. And we are still in our sins. That is the idea that the resurrection is a central part of our faith. The central part of our Christianity. If Jesus really did rise from the grave, that changes everything. That gives credit to everything he said. That makes him greater than any other religious leader that makes him God in the flesh. So I'm asking you again, I'm not asking you to consider my faith. I'm not asking you to consider the church. I'm not asking you to consider religion. I'm asking you to consider Jesus. His life. Consider Jesus, his resurrection. And three, I need you to consider his message. The message that Jesus taught time and time and time again. Paul sums up the message in Romans chapter 3. He says, The righteousness of God is through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe, since there is no distinction. How are we made right with God? Are we made right with God because of our, all of our religious devotion? Are we made right with God because we've gone and we've done the right things? We've gone to church. We've, we, we've served in the church. We've put some money in the offering. We went on a mission trip. We, 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 we sang the songs. No, that verse says we are made right, that the righteousness of God is through faith in Jesus Christ. And this is what is so crazy, and this is what is so powerful. That no matter what you've done, no matter how dark your life has been, no matter how many, no, no matter how many sins you've committed, no matter how messed up your life is, no matter how bitter and angry your heart is, anyone, he says there's no distinction, anyone who places their faith in Jesus Christ can be made new. 
This is how we, where we have to recognize that this makes Christianity different than any other religion. Because religion says this. Religion says that uh, the right religious beliefs plus the right deeds equals rewards. So if I align myself with the right religious belief, if I align myself with, with Buddhism, or align myself with Muslim faith, and I do the right deeds, then I will be rewarded. I mean, that's what religion is going to teach us. And I would say religion, uh, most religion is a do-do religion. Do-do, get it? Do-do. You do. You achieve. You perform. And if you do enough, then you'll be blessed with nirvana, enlightenment, 27 virgins or whatever else it happens to be. If you do enough. And here's what Christianity says. Christianity says, listen, your reward, your blessing is based on Jesus plus nothing else. That is what Christianity is all about. Not Jesus plus good works. Not Jesus plus baptism. Not Jesus plus church membership. Not Jesus plus you stop doing all those bad things. Not Jesus plus anything else. But faith in Jesus Christ alone. Jesus plus nothing. And that tells me. Don't tell me that's the same as every other religion. Because every other religion tells me I've got to do. And what Jesus has said is I've done it for you. Religion becomes a cheap imitation. Religion promises freedom. Religion says if you follow me, you'll find freedom and joy and peace. And it is a fake. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the answer. He's the only way for us to experience God. And the freedom and the joy that we long for isn't found in religion, it's found in Jesus. It's found in a relationship with him. So we've got to consider the truth. Here's what I want to ask you to do with the truth this morning, though. Number one, I want to ask you to experience the truth. Okay, we've said that the truth shall set you free. The question is, have you truly experienced the truth? Because I'll be honest, I'll be honest, like there's times in my religious devotion that I can get really excited. I can be really excited about my religious devotion, and, it, and I can confuse what freedom really is. Because we can get really excited about things, right? And we do. I mean, you go to a really good service, and you get emotional, and you're like, man, this is great. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to follow this. I'm going to do this. It's based on emotion, and I'm excited. But then that excitement begins to wane, and I'm like, man, where's all that freedom I had? Where's that joy that I had? I mean, the Bible talks about the joy that passes all understanding. A, a peace like a river that never leaves us. And sometimes I get really excited about my religious devotion, and then things cool down. I'm like, man, where's that peace? Where's that joy? Where's that freedom? Why is this always such a struggle? Because when you have a relationship with Jesus, it changes everything. That no longer are you focused on doing and earning and trying to get in with the in crowd of trying to be accepted. See, religion is spelled do. Christianity is spelled done. And when we understand this, I think that the issue is, is so many of us, we have this head knowledge. Okay, we get it. We get it. Head knowledge Okay, it's what Jesus did for me. But did you ever notice how sometimes, like the largest gap in the entire world is from our head to our heart. 
that theologically in our head we get it, but somewhere in our heart we have this disconnect where it's like these truths don't sink into our heart. And I think this is why some of us struggle. I think this is why we struggle in our relationships. I think this is why we struggle in our marriage, why we struggle in our workplace, why we struggle in our parenting. Because we, we understand that my identity is based on God, but in our heart, we live a completely different way. And so we're trying to earn. We're trying to prove ourselves. We're trying to be good enough. We're trying to do enough. And somehow we've got to get to the point where we don't just know the truth, but we experience it in our heart. That that idea that God loves you no matter what. That God accepts you just as you are. Somehow we've got to get that truth from our head to our heart. Because when we get there, that is where we experience truth. That is where that freedom is found. When my identity is square with God. That I know I am His. I know there is nothing that can separate me from the love of Christ, love of God in Jesus Christ. We've got to learn to experience the truth. So I need you, you need to hear this this morning. And not just in your head, but in your heart. You need to know God loves you just as you are. God loves you and God will meet you right where you are. That in your worst moment, the moment that you would hate for anyone else to know about, God knows And God still loves you. God still accepts you. God still set his son Jesus in your place. He proved his love through his son Jesus Christ. we got to open our heart to the truth. To know him. To experience a relationship with him. To experience the truth. Changes everything. Second thing i got to ask you to do this morning. He's got to ask you to stand for the truth. We've got to be a people who stand for the truth. You know what some of it is? Some of us just have to get a spine. You just got to get a spine, right? I mean, I, mean, I, I recognize that we live in a society that says there's no absolute truth. And, and it's wrong for you to tell someone else that they're wrong. You know, because all roads lead to heaven. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere, right? I mean, that's what our culture tells us time and time and time again. But here's the truth. Here's the truth. You have friends around you. That you care about desperately. You have family members that you love and that you care for. You have co-workers and and school classmates. And and you have people around you that you love and you're concerned about. But let me tell you what. Muhammad and Joseph Smith and our cultural lies. That you can just be good enough. That is leading them straight to hell. That is leading them to eternity in hell. We need the truth. We've got to be a people that stand on truth. We have the truth. It's right here. We have the truth. The answer is right here. We need to be a people that say, we have the answer. We have it. We don't have to wonder. Jesus has given it to us. God has given it to us right here. We've got to be a people that are willing to stand on truth. Not this Oh, as long as you're a good person. No, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Parents, your kids need to know this. They need to know the truth is found right here. Your family, your friends, 
Their future is not dependent on whether or not you believe it. Their future is dependent on whether they know the truth. And we've got to be people who are willing to wade out into the world to say, you know what? This is what the Bible teaches. This is what Jesus says. We've got to be willing to ask our friends and our family members, would you consider the radical life of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, and his message? Because he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Listen, there is power in this truth. There's not power in my word. I'm a pastor. I share a message. I don't have power in my words. There's nothing special about what I say. But there's something special about this right here. We've got to be a people. Scripture says, Jesus says, your word is truth. This is truth. We've got to be a people who stand for it. You've got to ground yourself in this word. Make sure you know what you believe. Make sure you know what this book says. This is why we're doing a sermon series called Cliché. Because how many of these clichés have we told that you said, well, yeah, I think that's in the Bible. Listen, we've all done it. I'm guilty of that. Saying, well, that's in the Bible. Until we start reading it. Saying, well, maybe that really isn't in the Bible. We've got to be a people who stand for truth. Because the future of the world around us is dependent on it. The future of our family and our loved ones is dependent on whether or not we will share the truth with them. Restoration Church, I love you. And I want you not just to know the truth, but I want you to experience the truth. And I want us to be a people that stand for truth. Let's pray.